Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. And this week's feature is Critters 3 and Leprechaun 3. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Like, if I'm doing something and I can't pay attention to the TV, I will turn on the real Ghostbusters and watch it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it just seems weird hearing Garfield's voice come out of uh, Peter Bankman. It really does. Slimer. <laughs> um. So, did you guys do anything exciting since last time? No. <laughs> I had a really rough week at work this week. Me too. This sucked. Well, you'll appreciate my story, though, because what happened is uh, my office is on the second floor of a building. Yeah. There's new tenants moving in underneath, so there's construction. Yeah. And the construction guys accidentally drilled through the floor. So I got all excited because I figured one of my coworkers would be missing a foot. And all my joy in life comes from other people's misery. But then I found out that not only was there nobody standing over at the spot where they drilled, but people aren't even angry about it. So there was nobody, like, mad filing union grievances or anything. And there's no, like, 80s movie hijinks where you guys then go out and, like, steal a hive of bees from a farmer and then funnel it through that hole? Well, there there, there are doctors moving in below us. So I want to get moved to that cubicle and stock up on junior and see if I can pull it off. <laughs> but I don't know if it's going to work. They'll probably just, you know, fill the hole back in with something. But I was so disappointed that nobody's foot got hit. You're like, son of a bitch. This was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for someone to randomly get maimed in my office. That's never going to happen again. <sighs> So, if I'm in a bad mood, that's why. It's because nobody I know got seriously injured this week. <laughs> that's, that's the worst. Yeah, it's like, son of a bitch, I didn't get to see bloodshed at my work. This job sucks, I quit. Did you also get drilled, Brian? <laughs> uh, maybe mentally. Since I was I was training a guy to do a job for a company. I don't know. It's complicated. 
I was training the guy, and once he got fully trained, my workload would drop drastically. And after a month of training, he came in on Wednesday and was like, yeah, I don't think I want to do this job anymore. Awesome. So then, yeah. So now I'm back to square one. We're going to have to, like, they have to hire someone else so then I can then spend time training them as well. Does it pay $50 an hour? <sighs> no, because then I would just do it. Does it Does it pay $20 an hour? <laughs> no. Does it pay $10 an hour? Uh, no, it's more than that. I like how this is like a negotiating game we're into now. <laughs> Guess the number. Higher. Lower. Higher. Lower. Two hours into the podcast, we'll have finally settled in. It's 13.73 an hour. That's not well, bad. A, a while ago, I was, that was That's actually a pretty... That's like Price is Right there, Doug. That was pretty good. I was having a conversation with a friend of a friend who's a business owner. And he was bitching that he couldn't find anybody to do this job, which he admitted is a shitty, horrible job that nobody would ever want to do. And he was he was like, I don't get it. We're paying like $10 an hour. That's more than enough. And I was like, you specifically just said it's a shitty job and people wouldn't want to do it. You're going to have to pay more. And he goes, well, I'm not going to pay people more. And I was like, then you're never going to get somebody to do the fucking job. That's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, his economics logic didn't seem to be working out on that one. Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, if nobody's willing to do it, you're not paying enough. Eventually, you'll raise the, you know, you'll say fucking $17 an hour, and somebody's going to go, oh, yeah, well, I'll do that shitty job for $17 an hour. Yeah. Uh. Well, do you still have a bunch of illegal immigrants that take all your jobs? That's what I saw on TV. So that's the story. <sighs> Actually, you know what the funny thing is? Is somehow at the same time that they claim that we have uh, all these illegal immigrants that are stealing all the jobs and, and causing depression, there's also been a complaint for about the last five years about worker shortages. That there aren't actually enough people to fill all the jobs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good old logic. Look, I I just watched two movies this week, and I do not feel that we should be discussing logic as it pertains to uh, this this week's show. Why would you say that? Is there is there? Do you want to tell us about Critters Three and tell us how the logic fails in that movie? That's your cue, oh. Doug. Go. Oh, all right. <laughs> Um, Critters 3. For some reason, there's still some Critters alive after Critters 2, um, which I didn't feel was the case at the end of that movie, but who knows. Um, and then they basically they throw some of their Critter eggs onto a truck to get away from Charlie, who is still bounty huntering them. Um, and they end up in the apartment building with the... It's like this really odd group of characters like some of the tenants and then like the slum lord's stepson for some reason joins them <laughs> and they all have to fight the critics the critters until uh until charlie shows up and saves the day well to be fair and the critics well and the critics yeah <laughs> <laughs> that might have been like one of those freudian type slips or <laughs> just like <laughs> uh so how do you feel about critters three 
here's the thing about this movie. Whenever there's a critter on screen, it's like, all right, critters are here. Awesome. They still look like the critters in the other movie. They sometimes act like the critters in the other movies, although they're ever-increasingly gremlin-like. And for some reason, they, like, watch too many Bond movies. And for the first, like, half of the movie, they only attack one at a time. <laughs> Which is really odd. <laughs> but this, the whole first, like, I want to say half an hour of this movie. Oh, it's terrible. It's just, it's just, it's meandering. It's pointless. It's ridiculous logic-wise where it's like, these people are driving down the highway. Like, they get a flat tire. Then, as they're sitting there, like, with their broken-down old truck, like, some rich guy pulls up in a motorhome, and he gets out, and he's sipping champagne and, like, trying to chat with the guy, like... And that just coincidentally is their landlord, and they don't know. And then, like, his stepson runs off. Hey, hey he's also Leonardo DiCaprio's dad. Stepdad. <laughs> Stepdad. Leonardo DiCaprio's character would be very upset if he called that his real dad. Um, and then it's just, I don't know, it leads to this, like, weird, like, th- there's no point to those people meeting up at that point. And then they, it, it makes it seem ridiculous when they all end up in the same building later. <laughs> and it's all, like, I think the whole purpose of it was to try and set up, like, a weird, like, romantic link between the two, like, 13-year-old characters in the movie. But why would we want that? Yeah. Like, this is Critters 3. It's not exactly, like, appealing to... It's not Wizard of Oz 2. You're not shooting for, like, the child audience, like kids that were 6 when they saw the first Critters and are now 13. This is clearly a movie made for people who were teenagers in 1986 or whatever when the first Critters came out that are still wanting to watch more. Yeah. So... Why are why are romantic leads twelve year olds? It, it doesn't make any sense. Because Leonardo DiCaprio is dreamy. That's why. Was was he dreamy at the time? No, I believe he was in a pre-dreamy state. Yeah, I believe he was because I believe he left Growing Pains to make this movie. Really? And that was a bad decision, obviously. But maybe he just needed to get away from Kirk <laughs> Cameron's. It all works out. Christian stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I was going to say uh, the, the entire first third of the movie could have been replaced by a scene with no dialogues that could have happened while the credits were still rolling. <laughs> like, nope. it, it could have been that tire blew out, and you see a sign that says Grover's Bend, and you see the first person little critter, like, run up underneath their truck, skip to them arriving home, and we see a broken critter egg. There. Yeah. You're, you're caught up. All, all that shit's done. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I, I understand that this is like a direct-to-video movie from the 90s, and that they are obligated, given the time frame it came out in, to have that exposition and that little bit of dialogue at the beginning to remind us what happened in the previous movies and to let us know who the critters are. Because, you know, it's it's not it wasn't a Netflix world. People didn't binge-watch series of films the way they do now. I mean, I did, and you guys probably did, but most people didn't. Oh, yeah. Most people who were who were renting Critters three hadn't seen Critters in a long time. They needed a little catch up. But they needed Charlie's Charlie's convoluted uh, exposition where it merges two movies together. No, but what what they could have done is had like somebody who had seen the first two movies recently write some dialogue for Charlie to deliver that would have made sense to the audience, <laughs> and then. They could have just edited out a lot of all the nonsense with like frisbees and shit for some reason. Oh yeah, 
in the stupid glowing crystal and shit. It's all like it, it's it's ludicrous. So it, it's just, got a lot of points. Yeah, it, and the, and the thing is like there's fun to be had in the last part of this movie when the critters are running around this apartment building and stuff. But I was almost fully checked out before we had our first critter attack. And I mean, the acting is so bad in this movie. Um, There's an Oscar award winner in this movie, Doug. How dare you say that? Yeah. (sighs) Atrociously bad. I would, I would argue that, while the acting in the movie is bad, it's not uh, bad for straight to video '90s movie. <laughs> like it's yeah, it's passable. I I personally think the worst actor in the entire movie is actually the uh, the dad. He's pretty bad, yeah. and part of that's probably the writing because the like his character doesn't make any fucking sense. Like no. n- nobody behaves like that. No, his wife died, so he's just gonna try to go on vacation. Didn't like it, so now he's just gonna work a lot. He's just gonna like train, leave his kids home alone, completely ignore his children. Yeah, you know? yeah, he just leaves his kids with the random neighbors, and he's and he's a dick to the neighbors too. He's like, here's some money to help cover the costs while they're away. It's not enough. I recognize that it's not enough. So you guys cover whatever else the kids need while I'm gone, and I'll get you some more when I get back. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, and somehow this movie manages to, so so Charlie over over the course of the series is my obviously my favorite character, and while he's treated very well in the first two movies and like he has a lot of character development and stuff, and even in the fourth movie he does all right, but this third movie they like regress him back to being a bumbling idiot. Yeah, I noticed that too. It's like this guy, like you know. If you if you've seen the other critters movies, you know this guy has like experience working with the shape shifting bounty hunter space aliens, like traveling planet to planet hunting critters. And then he shows up here, and he's just like a moron. And you're like, but he's that that is almost like again, it's like the person who wrote this script saw critters in 1986 and didn't bother to watch it again before writing Critters Three. Like you you probably should have sat down and watched Critters One and Two and then wrote this script. Now, arguably, so so like I said, the, the first third of the movie is pointless and stupid, but really, once we're at the apartment building and the the critters are are in full swing, yeah, I think the rest of the movie's all right. The problem is, is that first third of the movie just fucking it's so bad, it makes you not want to watch all the good parts. That's like I'll fully admit. By the time we get to the by the time the critters do their first attack on that like shitty handyman or whatever he is, yeah. who's just like even his character, we haven't even complained about him yet, but I'll get to it. It's like by the time that attack happens, I'm just sitting there going like, "Who cares?" Like I don't like you know I mean I'm I'm not paying as much attention as I should be to a movie in order to enjoy all the fun stuff that happens, and I I know objectively that I would have liked a lot of those scenes in a different movie. But if you're if the film loses you before the good stuff happens, it makes it less enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Also, when they when they do callbacks to the other movies, like they do like a a bowling joke in this movie because there was a bowling joke in the previous movie, but what? it's just so much worse. 
And you're just like, they're because they start cutting back and forth between the critters who are bowling at people and the actual bowling on TV. And I'm just like, but that's a bowling joke now. Like your other one, it was mildly funny in the previous movie when they did the bowling sound effect for the big critters running people over. And now you just, you're pushing it to a level too far, I guess. But Doug, this movie contains a Sonic the Hedgehog reference. Fair enough. A totally timely reference that if you go to your children, they would absolutely understand that joke. Well, that's, I mean, it's not the movie's fault that we're watching it. 25 years after it came out or whatever. <laughs> like, I, I won't hold the movie accountable for that. I think that was probably a better joke in its day. You know what else rules? Sonic the Hedgehog. You need to put a joke about that in there. Well, it makes me wonder if the Sonic the Hedgehog people, like, what came first, Sonic or the Critters? Because they're definitely, they seem very much alike. Mm-hmm. Little, yeah, little disturbing just... hedgehog creatures that roll into balls when they want to, to go faster. <laughs> Yeah, I think we just broke open a conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, the producers of this film will be suing Sega for developing Sonic the Hedgehog without permission. Uh, nice. Uh, we, of course, get our one critter who's different than all the critters. Yes. Who, who, in this one, falls into bleach, and apparently that's the strongest fucking bleach I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Because, you know, bleach will fuck your skin up if it sits there for a while. But this thing, like, lands in a puddle of bleach and it's, like, sizzling and smoking. <laughs> well, you don't know. Critters have different DNA than us Earth-bound creatures, and maybe it affects them differently. Yeah. And, also, and also, maybe uh, Tim Burton's Batman was still fresh in people's mind when they made this. <laughs> I accept yeah. that. <laughs> Uh, any favorite kills? Mm, that's a hard one. A lot, I see. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to get. It's hard to even honestly. It's it again. It's hard to remember them in this movie because you're sort of checked out before any of the kills happen. Yeah, it definitely. The it's not as um, the deaths aren't as creative in this one as they have been in the rest of the series so far, yeah. and some of them. A, a lot of them, really, it looked like a an actor who is a direct-to-DVD quality actor, or direct-to-VHS, whenever this came out, um, holding a puppet to himself and then flailing around. And it kind of yeah. had that, you know, dinner theater feel to the kills. Um, specifically, like, the very first one, that handyman guy. Yeah. It really just looks like they just handed him the puppet and were like, make this kill you? And then there is some like blood and stuff in close-ups, but then they cut back to it, and it's just him walking around the room with this thing. You know, I think at one point it's on his neck, and he's just like jumping around, and I'm like, that doesn't look like you're being killed. It looks like you're dancing with a muppet, which is also it's also fun, but it's not the right kind of fun for a critters movie. Now that I'm thinking about it, are there only two deaths in this movie? There are not a lot because there's the handyman, and then there's the slumlord. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, because it's... Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Especially especially when there's uh, a cast of, what, like eight people? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, a cast of eight people, and it feels like they bring in some of those people just to be cannon fodder. 
like you know what I mean, like very Friday the Thirteenth like, where it's just like, and now we're gonna meet the neighbors, and then they go talk to the neighbors five minutes, like, oh, those guys are dead, like it's, but then they don't get dead. So what's the point? Like, and yeah. much of the plot of this movie is all of the characters trying to find their way to the roof because they think that's the safest way out. Mm-hmm. Did I miss the line of dialogue where they explain how they're gonna get down from the roof? No. Or the Maybe kid they just think the critters are so short they can't possibly get up there. <laughs> That's the plan. <laughs> uh, well, I guess since there's no good deaths, what about favorite critter moment? It's probably the like when they're all in that kitchen doing the gremlins thing. Yeah, because it's just fun to watch. I don't yeah. know. I kind of really like the end where uh, after. Charlie's fallen off the roof and stuff. He, he basically pulls off that antenna that's stuck to his back, and it's got the critter like flattened and impaled. Yeah, on it. <laughs> that was pretty fun. Uh, I was going to say that was pretty funny when the one critter smashed the other critter's face into a, a tiny tart. <laughs> so it's about the size of a pie to a critter. <laughs> he's he's sort of like, here, come here, come here, and then the critter leans over and smashes his face in it. It is interesting that the critters are... Again, this goes back to my previous point about how they're doing one-on-one attacks through much of the movie. They don't seem to be working as a cohesive unit in this film the way no. they were in the previous ones. So, I don't know if that's... Are we seeing, like, the breakdown of critter society? As we know, the spe- <laughs> we do learn throughout the film that the species is gradually coming to an end, and maybe this is why. Because I don't know if these critters aren't getting along well enough to create any more critter eggs for later movies. After after all the times I've seen this movie, there are two jokes that I can't seem to decide if they're funny or not. And that <laughs> okay. is uh, the weird critter fart joke scene, where, yeah. uh, where the critters are just eating beans and farting. See, the thing about scenes like that is they're so much funnier when you say it than they are when you're watching the movie. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And the one that eats a bunch of dish soap, it is blowing bubbles. And then at one point, uh, the the old lady manages to, like, cut it in half with, like, half. Hey, 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 hey. (laughs) You you call her by her Christian name, Happy Gilmore's Grandma. So Happy Gilmore's Grandma cuts the thing in half and and a bunch of bubbles come out <laughs> which that's it's kind of funny it's not it's not super funny but it's like <laughs> I, I enjoyed it i remember thinking like that's that joke is in there for all the kids that rented this that shouldn't have been allowed to rent this uh what's really funny is me and amanda were sitting there watching it and i was like oh look that critter is eating that dish soap he's gonna be blowing bubbles and all of a sudden both of us look at each other like I wonder if the dog likes bubbles. And then we went and got bubbles out and was playing with the dog for the rest of the movie. <laughs> Turns out she loves bubbles. Well, that's great. That's really good to know. That really helps with the review of the film. I feel like the decision... So the decision in this in the second film was to lean heavier on the comedy, but mm-hmm. to actually like up the gore a little bit and yeah. to... Make it a little bit more adult by putting some boobs and stuff in it, mm-hmm. just just to balance that. And then this one, they're like, "No, what we need to do is go even further into comedy and leave out all of the boobs and the gore stuff, and it suffers for it." Yeah, 
that it seems like that's what they were trying to do. But at some point, like in the script writing phase, when you're describing a scene of like the woman dangling upside down, trying to reach the payphone, how do you not know that that's not going to be funny? Like, is there any, is there any film ever where that scene has ended up being funny? doesn't seem like it. No. I feel like there might be a Leslie Nielsen film that you're overlooking. <laughs> it's plausible. But again, like in, I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head where you're like, this is a horror comedy franchise. They've basically eliminated the horror. There's very little gore. There's no kill. There's very few kills. Hmm. They tried to bring in a lot of tropes, like the the slumlord landlord that everybody hates, and the the kid that doesn't like his stepdad. Which I mean, they're the same character, the slumlord and the stepdad. But you know, he doesn't like his stepdad, so he ends up working against him. Like these are all tropes of like '80s movies that they're still trying to use in like 1995 or whatever this movie came out. And it's just you're late, and those tropes don't make any sense anymore. And your jokes aren't working. So now we're just down to, okay, the critters are still, they still look like critters. That's fun. They're uh, doing crazy critter shit. 1991, Doug. 1991. Oh, so yeah. So that definitely explains the bleach thing. It's like they literally wrote the script on the way home from seeing Batman in theaters. <laughs> Generally part of my definition of a horror movie to even call it such, it has to have at least one thing in it that if you showed this movie to an eight year old, an eight-year-old would be frightened by it. And this does not have that. It does not have a single thing that I think an eight-year-old would go, ah! <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with that. I was actually going to watch this movie with a nine-year-old. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't, because she's going to be going to bed shortly, and I don't want her to have nightmares and stuff. And then after I watched it by myself, I'm like... I'm glad I didn't show that to that nine-year-old because she would have thought I was crazy for expecting her to like this. <laughs> she would have been judging me the whole time. She'd be like, "Just for this is not scary. This is not funny." Yeah, she would have been angry with me for making her sit through this movie, which would have been its own entertainment value, but yeah, not what I was going for. My second biggest complaint about this movie is the soundtrack. Which is a weird thing. I, it's not usually a, a thing I complain about in movies. But, so the first movie, the soundtrack was fine and perfectly appropriate. And most most of the movie was pretty silent and didn't have a lot of background music. And that's fine. Second movie, we had decent music. Plus, we had Hungry Heifer. This one, that movie starts. And I swear to God, if Charles fucking Band's name popped up as a producer on it. I would have been like, oh, yep, that's the Full Moon team doing that fucking soundtrack. Because <laughs> it's that stupid, like, uh, almost like a, a fucking dude with a keyboard bullshit, <laughs> like, horrible music that they put in all of their movies. It, yeah, it does seem like they bought this movie, this music off a website where you're, like, you give them a couple of bucks, you can download it and use it however you want. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those situations where they're like, does anybody know anybody that's a musician? And somebody's like, oh, my cousin Ernie has, like, a keyboard. And they're like, well, call him up. <laughs> For some reason, the cousin being named Ernie is very funny to me. I don't know why. Right. I'm just saying, he's not Mick Jagger. 
<laughs> yeah, what a terrible movie. I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. It's not it's not a terrible movie. It is oh, a, no, it's pretty it terrible. Is, it is two thirds of an incredibly fun movie. <laughs> it's not a good horror movie. And the first third of the movie's really bad. Yeah. Also, we learned that uh, whatever the the down spiral of the Critter Society, that apparently their spines are weakened, so now they just make people drunk rather than making knocking them out. Yeah. Ugh. Isn't it weird that they just changed that for no reason? Yeah. <laughs> like, again, I feel like the person who wrote the script needed to watch Critters, then watch Critters 2, then sit down and write the script. Yeah, I mean, the dad, like, fell over and was out for a second, but then he, like, got back up and stumbled around, so he's obviously drunk, right? That's like, no, that's not what happened in the first movie, damn it. That's when Billy Zane's character shows back up. You know he died in the first movie. Oh, he did? Oh, shit. Oh, well. <laughs> uh... Yeah. Oh, we should so, mention though the, the if we're the positive element of this film, which is why it was selected. I mean, obviously, Brian, you you picked this movie for this week based on the costuming, correct? Uh, the makeup, Doug. God damn it! How is Christina Criswell supposed to get all the credit she deserves if you don't even know what her job is? Wasn't that like everybody's stage makeup? Didn't it look fantastic? Actually, I would think that it did. I just couldn't remember why you made me watch this movie. <laughs> I'm like, why, why did Brian pick this one? I'm assuming she just made her paycheck layering that clown makeup onto the big chick. <laughs> That's probably what it was. She looked like fucking Mimi from the Drew Carey show. It's like, let's, let's, all right, let's get the roller out. Let's start. She's putting in for overtime again on the makeup department. What's going on? Oh. She's in charge of that lady. All right. That's where our budget went. Uh, good Lord. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anything <laughs> like, else? Like I said, most of it's all right. I, th- I even think that for the most part, the special effects, while they're cheap, they're not necessarily bad. I think it's just that the actors didn't sell it. So... <laughs> I think it's it's a combination of the acting and the writing is where the problems come from in this movie. I mean, the directing is competent. Um, the effects aren't bad for a 1991 directed DVD movie, direct DVD movie. I keep saying DVD, but I don't think it existed yet. Um, maybe direct to Laserdisc or something. But uh, yeah, like there's a lot that just works okay in this movie. There's nothing that's really good. And then there's a lot that is just a complete failure. And that first half, that first, call it a third of the movie, is just atrociously bad and hard to sit through. And you're just like, I... And and when you realize it doesn't really serve a purpose, you're just like, well, why did I sit through that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know, I... Like, I would almost recommend if people are fans of the Critters movies and you haven't seen this one, like just start it like a half an hour in. You're not going to miss anything. 
<laughs> I mean, it's the 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 concept is critters in an apartment building. It's it's diehard with critters, which is a good it, concept. Diehard with critters. <laughs> Tell him he's wrong. Tell him he's wrong. <laughs> I, I will never say that. Everything is diehard. <laughs> so, uh, diehard with critters. I just said it, and you both got happy and. It, it's a good idea, and once they get there, it's fine. But like, do you remember how quickly John McClane got to that building in Die Hard? They didn't waste our time with him fucking needing directions on the side of the road or something. It, just get there and do your movie. This movie should have had way more critters in it and way less of everything else. I have to go adjust my letterbox review of this now because it needs another star. And the title of the review needs to be It's Tired with Critters. We can give you a minute if you need to do that. <laughs> do we follow each other on the letterbox? I don't know. I'm just kidding. I never take the time to review things. Over. I don't actually write reviews on it either, but I do give us star ratings. Alright. Um, so yeah. Tepid recommend for the last two thirds of this movie. <laughs> Just really, it's it's not a compliment to a movie when people are recommending that you watch portions of it. Maybe you can go to YouTube. Maybe there's a supercut of just all the critter stuff. If you're if you're pulling a me and watching the entire critter series, <laughs> it's it's not bad enough to like warrant skipping. If you're watching it by itself, you might want to like make yourself some nachos or something to eat like during that first third, you know, something loud and crunchy that oh, you no, no, no. don't eat during movies. Even better. You make, you make the nachos during the first third of it yeah, and then you don't point. miss it. Or you just, what you do is you have this movie on when you're doing chores that you really don't want to do. So like at the beginning, you'll keep yourself motivated to doing your chores because you won't want to watch the movie. <laughs> but then by the time you're sick of the chores, you sit down and there'll be something fun on the TV. Um, this is the weirdest advice we've ever given. <laughs> yeah, something they said something about nachos. I don't know. Uh, did you guys know there was a fan film called Critters Bounty Hunter? No. Online? I've I, I I've seen stuff for it. I've never actually like sat down and watched it yet. I've heard it's actually pretty good. Ernie, oh, man. come on, come on. Your dog's name is Ernie? Yes, it is. He Does wrote he the play the keyboard? <laughs> Do what? Uh, does he know how to play the keyboard? <laughs> he just he's not. God damn it. Uh, we almost got a new jingle for the podcast there. But... I know, right? Uh, yeah, I haven't watched it yet. Um, some of the reviews I saw for it were actually that it's actually really good. So, Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of really, really good things about it. Yeah, it's only seven minutes long. It's up on YouTube. Uh, maybe I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> but yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting that we're at the point of like maybe the fan film's better. <laughs> I feel like maybe maybe the problem with this one was no shape shifting bounty hunters. It's too much of a shock. You can't go from two movies with shape shifting bounty hunters to no shape shifting bounty hunters. Yeah, they needed like a transition movie where there was only one shape shifting bounty hunter. And... Well, that I mean, we should before we move on from this film, and we should talk about the ending, like the credit sequence, which sets up the next movie and 
kind of bring reintroduces our shape shifting yeah. back in our characters. Which was shot with, it was done very weirdly during the credits. I didn't understand it. Like I'm like, because I was gonna turn the movie off, and I'm like, it seems like the movie's still going. But a lot fucking happens during the end credits. More, yeah. more happens during the end credits of this movie than the entire rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like a lot of plot development occurs, which is all basically set up for the next movie, which is fine. But we basically, Charlie's about to destroy the last couple of critter eggs, and he's contacted by his space bosses, and they tell him he's not allowed to because those are the last two critters, and you're not allowed to wipe out a species. So they send a containment unit to him to take the critters off to whatever planet they say to take it to. But that's that's a major plot development. And it just happens like in between like the you know you know, head boy and grip type credits that are going on screen and you're just like, I don't understand. Is head boy a real credit or did I just now, make I'm, I'm trying to remember, does because I've seen all these movies so many times. Does it show him get into the thing, into no. the pod thing? No, no. It just ends with it crashing through the ceiling. Right? Yeah, it crashed through the ceiling, and then it says "to be continued." Dot dot dot. Yeah, right. It's like really, come on. What's fascinating is that means when they were making this movie, they knew they had the budget for another one, which is uh, surprising. Well, Doug, that's because they made parts three and four together. Oh, did they? Yes. So. Which I find I find fucking fascinating because I know I, I know Brian said he's not a big fan of four, but four it while it's not as good as one and two, is so vastly superior to three, it's weird that they were like simultaneously made. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they put all the effort into one movie. I think they did. Or maybe all of this was just intended to be the, like the opening credits sequence to, to four, and like, ah, oh, we can stretch it out into two movies in the last minute. Uh, I will say, uh, after watching this movie, I think part four, from what I remember, is better than this one, and I know it has to be because at least Brad Dourif's in the next one. So, Hell yeah, it's got Brad go. Dourif in it. Uh, that should be enough. That is. <laughs> one of the strangest things I've ever heard in my life is that at least it's got Brad Dourif in it. It's like, it's a movie about tiny little monsters. Brad Dourif is not going to play one of the tiny little monsters this time, so. Because <laughs> no, if, if he just voices a, crit- a critter, that'd be great. But, can we just can we just do an entire year of Brad Dourif movies? <laughs> just, just his entire filmography. Every fucking, every crazy person he's ever played. Well, that means we're going to have to do the Halloween remakes. Oh, man. Doe <laughs> <laughs> just painted himself into a corner. Yeah. No, they've got Danny Trejo in them too. First there's, one. there's so many reasons those movies should be good. Why are they so bad? <sighs> I don't. I don't understand. <laughs> I still think the first one is somewhat tolerable. Yeah. No need to open this debate. No. Second one is just offensively bad. Yeah, just gonna silently throw a tantrum over here. <laughs> Weirdly enough, Brad Dourif is the only thing I like in part two. That's not weird anymore at this point. Anyways, we are off onto a Halloween tangent. Yeah. So and... uh, Noah, 
Why don't you tell us about Leprechaun 3? Uh, so, Leprechaun 3, starring a Leprechaun which might possibly be the Leprechaun from Leprechaun 1? It's most, so. it's most certainly not the Leprechaun from Leprechaun 2. No. But, no but the Leprechaun from Leprechaun 1 also had a pot of gold that had exactly 100 shillings in it. And this Leprechaun has a pot of gold with 100 shillings in it. That's stretching it pretty pretty far. That's that's about the only connection. That's that's enough for me. Uh, a guy <laughs> comes into a pawn shop carrying a leprechaun statue with a with a shitty uh, costume medallion hanging off of it, looking like Rick James. Now, does anybody want to see that movie? Mm-hmm. How that guy ended up with no leg, no hands? <laughs> right, fucking right, I do. <laughs> the prequel to Leprechaun th- 3 is amazing. I love the, so basically the first third of this movie is flashing back and forth between our main character who's just he's some douche with a bowl cut and uh a chick that works at a casino that he's into. And she sneaks him into the casino and he loses all of his money skipping back to the good part. Uh, yeah, he's supposed to be like what, 18? Because he yeah. looks like he's 40. Yeah. But, yeah, he does you know, not look like he's... He's supposed to be on his way to his first year of college. Like So he's just graduated yeah. high school. He does not look like he just graduated high school. <laughs> so while that's going on, the uh, the shopkeep at the pawn shop takes the medallion off the leprechaun statue. As it turns out, that's what was keeping the leprechaun in statue form. Surprise! <laughs> Twist! In my no. Shyamalan style. Yeah, nobody could have seen it coming. Oh, yeah, nobody could have possibly known that the medallion would be the leprechaun's weakness in this movie. But, so the first third of that story is just the leprechaun and the shopkeeper in, like, a war of attrition. <laughs> where where, all, where you got to give the, the, sh- the shopkeep dude props. Man, he lasts a long time battling that leprechaun. <laughs> oh yeah, even well, after getting one of his toes bit off. That's what I'm saying. Most most people who are not main characters in the uh, leprechaun franchise do not fare well against the magics of the leprechaun. Well, he did have that sweet, sweet CD-ROM with all the important leprechaun information <laughs> on it, <laughs> so he knew how to fight him. He did, and that sweet Rick James medallion. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> uh, so the skipping forward guy goes to the pawn shop to attempt to pawn off his grandfather's watch in order to get more money to lose in the casino because he's a fucking idiot. Ends up with a shilling, thus setting off our whole movie of Leprechaun coming after douchebag because he's got the shilling. In this one, they expand it to if you have the shilling in your possession and you say, I wish uh, X, X comes true. Uh, A few people at the casino figure this out. And then, of course, that starts a whole thing of everyone trying to get the coin from each other because they're all greedy cocksuckers. Uh, Guy gets bitten by the leprechaun while the leprechaun is bleeding into it and apparently comes like a werepreacon. <laughs> That's that wondering what the term was we were going to use for that. I, I mean, werepreacon is the only word I can find that, that is appropriate. 
the best thing I could come Fair up enough. with. Yeah. yeah. But he's basically slowly turning into a tall leprechaun. <laughs> we'll just randomly bust out into like an Irish brogue for no reason. Yeah, yeah. see, what happened there is the filmmakers realized that the first two films had not actually been protested by Irish rights activists. So they were like, <laughs> we got to get a lot more offensive towards the Irish guys. <laughs> we really have to upset the Irish. And so that's why they invented this character and put this trope into the film. But there are thrills, chills, and spills. A lot of people die. Some in really fucking interesting ways. Uh, We get to see uh, Caroline Williams from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 wearing fake old lady boobs and uh, butt implants. I don't know if you mean that as a positive or not. Yeah, I like Caroline Williams. I would, I would argue it's a positive. I think the best, the best thing about this movie is just how ridiculously over the top the kills are, and the fact that the leprechaun ends up spending a good quarter of the movie just fucking off in Vegas. Like <laughs> he just decides he really fucking likes Vegas, loves it. <laughs> He did, like he's just he's just taking in the sights. He's wandering the roads. He's meeting Elvis. He does a little dance with Elvis for some reason. <laughs> he gets to be part of a magic act and like does all the magician stuff. Like, like oh, I'm going to show my hands and act all excited. <laughs> when the one magician is like trying to show off his tricks, he just turns the the rabbit into poop because it's funny. <laughs> just because he wants to fuck with the guy. There's no other reason. <laughs> yeah. Leprechaun is definitely much more uh, mischievous in this film than he is in other films. He does a lot more just random. Yeah. I'm just gonna fuck with you because you're here, <laughs> type stuff. Uh, apparently, Warwick Davis has stated this is his favorite Leprechaun movie. Well, his performance is great. Yeah, in this movie, you can tell he's having a blast <laughs> when he's doing that little dance with Elvis and shit. <laughs> like he's left behind the any sense of like trying to be sinister and all that. And he's just like buying into this full throttle at this point. Uh, I do love the part in the movie where he finally finds out that the magician is the one who has the shilling at that point. And he's just so pissed off because that dude's magic show such shit. That's all he cares about. Well, the magic show is atrociously bad and it is just, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be the joke of the movie is that the show is terrible. But what's funny is at one point the guy wishes to be the best magician in the world and then he continues to do magic and it's still objectively terrible. <laughs> so apparently the way the coin works is it's like a monkey's paw situation. I assume that if we could see the outside world, all the other magicians just got a lot worse. And they should have put that scene in there. If they could have afforded to show like David Copperfield trying to do like a fucking shit, like the the linking rings. Ooh, they're linked now. If they could have afforded, I think this movie is like. I believe that they had about three days of shooting only exteriors in Las Vegas. That's the type of budget we're talking about here, because every interior shot is completely not in Vegas. I love the fact that this, they have no respect for the Vegas uh, geography. It's like things that are not beside each other in Vegas are beside each other in this movie. And they're driving up the strip and they turn and they're still on the strip. And you're like, that's why they call it the strip is because it just goes the one way. 
<laughs> you just drive up it, and then you can turn around and drive back it, I guess. Uh, I do want to say I think the magician was awesome in this movie, though. Because <laughs> he would try to like do his shitty tricks to get out of stuff. Like when him and uh, uh, I don't know, Caroline Williams, whatever her character's name is, yeah. are arguing over the coin, and she's like, here, give me the coin, and he does that little flip with his hand. He's like, I can't. It magically disappeared. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, give me the damn coin. They're fine. What about when he was when he was breaking into the hotel room to steal the coin, and then he does like the Batman, like throw the big smoke bomb and run off. But you can clearly see him. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't obscure him at all. <laughs> like it's like like when when you know when you have like know a kid that no thinks they know magic and they're doing tricks and you can see exactly what they're doing but you just be polite pretending <laughs> that's like what this guy was like the whole, every time he was doing magic when he pulled the rabbit out of the fucking hat and it was a stuffed rabbit he's like the casino won't allow me to use a real rabbit <laughs> uh, uh, we did learn something that puts the kibosh on our leprechauns movie though does it or does it set it up perfectly? Well, I guess fair enough. Where he says <laughs> two leprechauns is too many leprechauns. Well, I'm talking more about the the info CD-ROM that's playing. It's like, oh, two leprechauns will never be in the same place at the same time, and then it just shows the cartoon of them like fighting each other in a ball of dust. <laughs> Which is could just be the way we get our movie made if we can't afford the actors. We just have it animated in that format. <laughs> But I mean, that's that's our setup right there. Now we know how it works. I just I don't think Leprechauns works without fifty copies of boring tapes. Oh, <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see what kind of budget we get together for it. Yeah. Well, the good thing is they all they all get to look the same. Really, maybe you can tweak some of their costume a little bit. So you just yeah. put them on a green screen, and you're good. They all have they all have hair that is one inch longer than the previous. One. <laughs> yeah. You're obsessed with the hair. I just assumed that the the plaid vest underneath the costume would just be a different plaid on each one, because <laughs> that's what would happen in like a if Leprechaun was in Street Fighter and two people selected that character at the same time. So. That would be the greatest. <laughs> that would be the greatest comparison we've ever made on this show. <laughs> uh, End of show. <laughs> that's beautiful. Uh, so, how did we feel about Leprechaun 3? I mean, obviously, we've been gushing over it a little bit the past couple of minutes. It's so. Okay, so it's not as good of a movie as the first two, and they're not very good movies, <laughs> but it's so fucking fun. It really is. Because I would say that about 80% of the dialogue in this movie is pointless, and about 40-50% to 50% of the characters are pointless. Mm-hmm. But I don't care, because it's just fun to watch them. Like, Like, there's a whole scene where, okay, so the... Harvey Weinstein, who runs this casino, he's in a major, like, he's big in debt for some reason. Because this, this movie is also, it's not set in 1990s Vegas. It's set like 1950s Vegas, where individual people own the casinos, and they had to borrow a bunch of mob money to get them started and stuff, right? So, they're... Um, 
he's in all this trouble with these like really cheesy mobsters. But for some reason, we get a whole scene where the two mob, like the head mobster and his henchmen, are debating boxers versus briefs. <laughs> which... That's so weird. It's like, why is this happening? But on the other hand, they both are like these ridiculously like ludicrous looking human beings. Like nobody walks around looking like that in real life. One guy's wearing like he's like a giant muscle man in a Hawaiian shirt, like tucked in for some reason. And the other guy has like that weird haircut and his beard's the same length as his hair and it doesn't make any sense. And he starts complaining because his hair is white and it's like well, you're like a rich mobster, dye your hair. I don't know. But it's like everything is just so crazy in this movie that it's really fun to watch it happen. And I think the big difference between this and like Critters 3, because I don't know if you guys remember when we talked about that movie, it's like you're bored before any fun stuff happens. In this one, right at the beginning, we get that whatever it is, 20 minutes of the leprechaun and that poor shopkeeper going back and forth. And these like the shopkeeper keeps thinking he outsmarted him and then leprechaun gets him. And at one point, leprechaun like has a Cupid arrow shoot at, or Cupid statue shoot an arrow through his arm and by the end that poor guy is like you're seeing him become more and more like that guy that walked in at the beginning <laughs> and you're like that's what making, makes you want that prequel movie and you're just like oh man it's so fun to watch and so yeah like the acting's not great from our lead characters they're not particularly likable they're not age appropriate for their roles um, all sorts of problems like that exist I mean there's plenty of stuff in this movie where you're just like why is this bothering to happen but who cares because it's all intercut with Warwick Davis doing his thing and it's so fun to watch him I did love uh, when that guy when the kid decides I'm gonna I'm gonna gamble mm-hmm. that he just pulls an envelope out of his back pocket with his name on it <laughs> and, it's, and it's a note from his parents saying oh here you go this should be enough to cover tuition and uh, room and board and it's just like a cashier's check for twenty three thousand dollars it's so weird too because that's not how college works you don't show up on day one and be like here's my money and then go find a place to like it's nothing in this movie is at all how the real world works like even the guys like whenever he's like are are you even allowed to be in this casino and stuff and it's like have you been to vegas there is no rule like you're not allowed to gamble if you're under a certain age whatever it is probably 21 but there, nobody stops you from wandering in and out of casinos. The fucking airport is a casino. Your hotel is going to have a casino in its lobby. Like it's not like they don't allow anyone under twenty one in the hotels. It's well, insane. They actually show this when they're at the hospital, and there's a slot machine in the waiting room of the hospital. And I bet you there is in Vegas. <laughs> like that, that town knows why people are there, and they know how they make their money, and they're not ashamed of it. It's like I'm surprised when you get a cab when you get when you go into the airport in Vegas and you pass the slot machines on the way to pick up your baggage and then you get a cab. I'm shocked that there isn't a slot machine at the cab. <laughs> just like a little video on built into the back seat. No, I'm full on. Just sorry, this cab can only put people in the back seat because we removed the passenger seat and there's just a full <laughs> slot machine right there. That's <laughs> what I would do. Nice. Um, so Doug, would you say that uh the part with uh, the shop owner and the leprechaun fighting each other that it would be die hard in a pawn shop kind of yeah <laughs> it's more like face off in a pawn shop <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Only with better acting. <laughs> There's no Nick Cage. <laughs> you shut your mouth. He's a national treasure. <laughs> oh, wow. That was upsetting that you just did that. Um, <laughs> I, I got to say, like, that leprechaun and that guy going at it in the pawn shop. I could I could watch a full movie of that, and if they made a full movie of it, then leprechaun and a diehard with a with a leprechaun would be the perfect title for it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's so much fun. Yeah. Uh, interesting thing is the first time I've ever seen this one. Oh really? Yeah. When we did them on Drunken Zombie, for some reason, because we just did a month of them, so there was only four movies. And I think it's before like the box set came out, so like okay. I, we couldn't find like parts three and four. So I've actually never seen part four either. Oh really? Yeah. So someday I'll have to watch that. But yeah, it's I don't know. We couldn't find them at the time, and now you know they finally put them out on Blu-ray in a nice little box set. So. You you watched Leprechaun World, Leprechaun Two, Leprechaun in the Hood, and Leprechaun Back to the Hood. Yes, because that's awesome. <laughs> what's hilarious i think the in the hood movies bring back the the medallion turns him into a leprechaun yeah, yeah that's because i since i've never seen this movie when he pulls the bag out and it's the stone leprechaun i'm like hey it's the medallion sweet so while we know factually that this is not the leprechaun two leprechaun noah thinks there's a small chance it's the leprechaun one leprechaun are we saying we're confident it's the leprechaun? This is the leprechaun that goes to the hood. Maybe. Huh. How does he die in this one? though? I don't remember. Oh, they burn his gold and then he just they burns get a flamethrower. Yeah. They take a flamethrower to his pot of gold. <laughs> when when they break out that flamethrower, because I hadn't seen this movie in a while. When they break out that flamethrower, like it, whatever twenty minutes into the movie, I'm like, oh, I can't wait until we get to see what happens to that flamethrower. I was so excited. Because <laughs> it's not even like a little like normal flamethrower that people in movies always seem to be able to find. It's just this giant fucking thing. It almost looks like one of the Elon Musk flamethrowers. <laughs> this movie was a, ahead of its time, technologically speaking, I guess. What was you guys' favorite kill of the movie? Ooh, um... Well, I mean, maybe the porn star coming out of the TV and just electrocuting that guy. I was going to yeah. say, it's got to be the robot fucking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it is one of the kills that makes the least sense of any kill in any movie of all time. Because she, like, she the rings it out of the TV as a porn star and starts, like, climbing all over the guy. And he's like, none of this makes any sense, but I want to bang a porn star. And then when she turns into a robot, I'm like, what just happened? Like, why was she a robot? Like, a robot? How did, how, did, how, did, how did the robot come out of the TV though? That doesn't. Like, I, robot, thought she, I thought she was magic. Why did like why like so the leprechaun in his infinite wisdom is like I'm going to make a magic person come out of the TV. No wait, magic robot is going to come out of the TV. <laughs> but it'll be a magic Terminator robot or a magic Transformers two robot, whichever one. Because they remember they had that shitty movie about Transformers that had the same type of like sexy woman Terminator in it. I don't know what you're talking about. They never made any Transformers movies. That's reasonable. Um, so, but it's like the leprechaun was thinking steps and steps ahead there, which is weird because he could have just like dropped an anvil on the guy's head or something. Yeah. He seems to have just unlimited power in this movie, but he, it's more fun this way. But of course, the robot still had latex boobs on as well. Well, yeah, that's how that's how you knew she was a porn star robot, not just like a 
Not just a civilian robot. Yeah. Like another another one of my favorite things is whenever he uh, slot machines the mafia guy, just because he doesn't even kill him. He basically just makes him vomit like thirty or forty dollars worth of quarters. <laughs> just, just, he just wanted to make the shitty little joke about how he's how he's a. Uh... You know, hey, he's just like a slot machine, and then that's it. That's that's the whole point of that scene. <laughs> Again, those those mob guys don't serve any real purpose in this movie. Like the fact that they're there is incidental at best. Potter. Uh, we do get to see Caroline Williams explode. Yeah, which uh, gave me a little flashback to uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Yeah. Now I need to rewatch that, but. Yeah. yeah, that kill was okay. I thought it took a little too long. It did. <laughs> but, you know, they were working with what they had. It was just Warwick Davis and Leprechaun makeup talking about, like, needing bigger boobs and big, uh, bigger butt and stuff. They did find a lot of ways to make him rhyme different things with the word ass in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> also, part of becoming a Wereprechaun, you start rhyming. <laughs> yeah, well, that's all part of it. Uh, that's so weird. When he that whole scene with him in the hospital, the effects in it, like I guess this is makeup effects. So I guess this is probably why we're talking about the movie again. You didn't yeah. fully explain why you picked this movie, but that, <laughs> Christina Griswold, come on. When, when he's laying on that hospital bed with, with and the the doctors are all trying to figure out what the fuck, and they draw his blood and it's green and shit. <laughs> and then they find the money in his pocket that he won earlier, and all of a sudden he's fucking. They're like ordering more tests and shit because he's got a hundred grand in his pocket. But which I think is funny because it's not like that doctor's getting any of that money. It's so weird. It again, logic in this movie is broken. Yeah. Like he starts canceling his, like he starts canceling his golf things to order more tests. And it's like, well, first of all. When you, it's not like the doctor that orders the EKG is the doctor that does the EKG. He doesn't have to cancel his golf game. He can just order it and then go on his golf game. But then it's also like, hey, you, you work at the hospital. You get a paycheck. It doesn't matter to you if the hospital makes a bunch more. You don't own the hospital. Like the doctor doing the in the ER doesn't own the hospital. <laughs> but whatever. It was funny. And, the, and the, the scene looked really cool. Like all the makeup effects and him laying on that bed in pain and stuff looked really cool and obviously like that sweet Irish accent he can affect is why he got this role <laughs> I'm, I was shocked that people weren't more upset by the way this movie just is derogatory towards the Irish at every opportunity I will I will be 100% honest the only thing in this movie that I don't like is that fucking actor man I fucking hate him by the end of the movie I'm like uh I, I I hated him at the beginning of the movie. I, by the time he starts doing his his Weprecon thing, I'm just like, okay, that's that's he's pretty good at that stuff. Not great, but he's okay. And I'm like, I can live with that. That's probably why they hired him, was so he could do this little transformation into this evil thing at the end. Again, kind of an unfair fight because he doesn't have to turn into a midget. Davis is still like a third his size, but I guess way stronger magically. Um, so probably the lead actress, this was she quit acting after being in this movie. Yeah. I think it's because she's like, well, this is the top. I'll never do anything as good as this. <laughs> she does spend most of the movie in like her magician's assistant's outfit, mm-hmm. which is like 
a semi-transparent leotard and a white sports coat. If you had to walk around in that for like months of acting, <laughs> however long it took to film this movie, you might go, ah, I don't know if this is for me. Uh, trivia says this was shot in two weeks. Yeah, this sounds more like it. <laughs> two days in Vegas and the rest on the soundstage. Yeah. Uh, I was really worried about this one. <laughs> and this turned out to be a pretty awesome movie. It's weird because like, I know objectively that this is a bad movie. But it's mm-hmm. just so much fun that I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, I just find it weird that like I didn't really like the second one all that much. But this one, I was like, this is fantastic. It's got a shitty magician in it. This is I, I feel like this is where the Leprechaun series figured out what it was doing. Mm-hmm. Where they were like, okay, Leprechaun, weird place, movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's definitely, like, the first one was just hey, every other folklore animal in history has been made into a horror movie. Let's try leprechauns. The second one was, well, they were in the country last time, so what would happen if they were in the city? And that's that's the whole gig. And then this one is just like, gotta ramp that up. What's what's Vegas. more ridiculous than normal city? Vegas. <laughs> so, how else are we gonna get an Elvis impersonator in there? I like to imagine the whole thing was actually, they were like, we really want to shoot another leprechaun movie. And Warwick Davis was like, the only time I'm in the States is I'm going to be in Vegas for three weeks for a conference. (laughs) I don't even know if the soundstage they used was in Vegas, because I would think if it was, they'd have access to a better looking set than what they had. Like the interior of that casino looks like the kind of place you would rent to hold like your wedding. And then they just wheeled in like really fake looking slot machines and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. It was not good. It was fine though for the purposes of this movie. Oh, totally. And they just had they had enough shots of outside Vegas of like just a few shots of like Warwick Davis in full costume walking down the strip and stuff. <laughs> uh, they should at least had him walk by Circus Circus and see the giant clown mouth and get freaked out. Yes, they should have. They should have had him. They should, there should have been a moment where he had was like looking for whoever. And then he walked down the strip and had him pass all of the like big name hotels. <laughs> that that ought to have happened, but it didn't. I don't know. I I got the impression sometimes that they weren't allowed to use the hotel names in the movie because they'd like blur out the background. <laughs> I thought it looked it looked an awful lot like they shot most of it in old Vegas. Mm-hmm. But I'm not I'm not sure. There were there were definitely some of the exteriors were that older part of Vegas up by Fremont Street and stuff like that. But Yeah. And the name of this casino, of course, Lucky Shamrock. Yeah. Again, like one of those things where you're like, well, it doesn't there's no reason why that should be the Irish casino. <laughs> it's just <laughs> a coincidence. Uh, it's a happy yeah, little coincidence. Everybody should have wore like leprechaun outfits and then that could have been part of the thing is nobody could find him because he blends in so well. Well, yeah, I mean, you'd think that if they're going to go through the effort of calling it the Lucky Shamrock that they would have the staff in some sort of, like, green outfits, but no. Well, son of a bitch. Now, now I hate this movie. I don't. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more-
more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Got one piece of feedback from Trevor. And he's actually got some questions for Noah. Um, he said, hey guys, have a question for Noah and his Trek rewatch. Uh, you mentioned this week that he's going to watch all of Trek at this point. It sounds like you went directly from the original series to Next Generation. What about the animated series? It has very high levels of cheese and very low production values, but it does have most of the original cast back in some fun episodes. Most people can't handle the animated series, but you do seem to have a pretty high threshold for bad. Or are you in the camp of people that just like to pretend the animated series doesn't exist? Uh, if you have if you haven't seen it before, it's probably worth checking out. There are only twenty two episodes, and it's a half hour show, so it won't take long. Trevor. I I love garbagey nineteen seventies cartoons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I can honestly say I've never seen the Star Trek series. Not for not for lack of wanting to. I've just never had easy access to watch it. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's that's pretty much it. I mean, if I so, had it on DVD, I'm pretty sure I'd be watching it right now. What I'm hearing is that all this <laughs> completionist talk we've been hearing for 26 episodes or whatever has all been nonsense. You don't, you're not actually a completionist. Just no, I'm a completionist for most things, but I can honestly say this. There is so much Star Trek, I will never see all the Star Trek. That's probably fair. Not all of the Star Trek? All the Star Trek. Especially since I watched like the first three episodes of Enterprise and almost like... <laughs> got angry so i was like i can't watch this the show's upsetting me well here you go noah star trek the animated series on dvd for 12 dollars on amazon 12 dollars might have to add that to my pile of stuff <laughs> or you can get a star trek bluetooth communicator for 135 your choice i saw that the one that links to your phone i really fucking want it <laughs> Uh, what so bad uh, good lord um all right did you guys watch anything since last episode uh no you can go ahead if you want uh i started watching season two of jessica jones oh Uh, yeah i started yet i'm not i'm not very far into it it's good so far yeah i'm Um, about three in myself I will say the very first episode is a reference to a Marvel character who I never fucking thought would be put on the screen. (laughs) The wizard? The wizard, yeah. I I was like, people don't even know who the fuck that is. There are are (laughs) full-on comic book nerds that don't know who the fuck that is. Yeah, I, I didn't know who it was. And I'm like, is that a real character? And then everybody's like, oh my god, I can't believe they referenced the wizard. I'm like, oh. Guess it's a real character. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what the wizard's fucking origin story is? Because it's amazing. I feel like it involves badgers or something. I read something Mongoose about it. Is... Mongoose, sorry. <laughs> he's, he's oh, it was a... ridiculous of me to say badgers. <laughs> he's, he's on safari with his parents and he's bitten by a king cobra. So they give him an infusion of mongoose blood to counteract the cobra venom. <laughs> 
And it turns out that he has a latent mutant gene that reacts with the mongoose blood and gives him super speed. So I'm not an animal expert. Are mongooses or mongeese known for being super fast? I mean, they've got really quick reflexes, but no, they can't run at 100 miles an hour or anything. They're not not like cheetahs or anything. They're just like a really fast rodent of some sort. Yeah. All right. He should he should really have the power to like scurry. Yeah, that'd be about it. <laughs> like the, like they can fight snakes. Like that's how quick they are, but Yeah. It's not it's not like, you know, you're not you're not constantly being like Hey, did I just see something? Oh, it must have been a mongoose that ran by really fast. <laughs> <laughs> it, was just, it was just an awkward moment because I was sitting there and I was like, well played. Well played, Jessica Jones. That's a deep. That's a deep ass cut. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, check it out. Yeah, and then uh, I didn't get to watch a lot of my movies because uh, we had a visitor this week. My my lovely lady friend's son was uh, in town visiting us, but I did watch uh, Ghostbusters one and two. Mm-hmm. Solid. Uh, spoiler are, are those, alert. Did, did you enjoy those or? <laughs> Spoiler alert, number one, still one of the best movies ever, although every time I rewatch it, I feel like Fankman gets rapier. Every fucking time I watch it, I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, pretty how did I not realize this whenever I was a kid? Like, how fucking inappropriate all the stuff he does is. In the 80s, that was acceptable behavior. That's how far we've changed as a society. <laughs> And and the second one is a uh, partially bad movie uh, with tons of awesome shit in it. Oh, I really like Ghostbusters too. I'm sad it's, that it gets as much hate as it does. I, I listen. I don't hate it. I I like the movie. I'm just saying, it, especially when compared to the first one, like the Statue of Liberty shit is is ridiculous. It is awesome, it, is what you mean? Yeah. You, 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 cut, you cut him off. He was saying ridiculously awesome, and you yeah, cut yeah. Him off Ryan. So. Sorry, but <laughs> if if that movie was nothing, nothing but Janusz and Vigo jokes, <laughs> I would still love that. Tis Vigo, <laughs> Vigo. like the buzzing of flies to him. I Vigo, the scourge of Carpathia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I fucking I love Vigo. It's my jam, my jam, jam. I really uh, want a giant, like uh, life size portrait of Vigo <laughs> to just put in the spare bedroom for no fucking I believe, reason. I believe they make them, so you can make that happen. Yeah, I know. Why? Um, really bad. Did you ever hear like the horrible life story about the actor? Uh, I've heard it is unfortunate, <laughs> unfortunate and very sad, and he's not a good human being, but. <sighs> well, they needed someone to play Vigo. <laughs> exactly. You should probably be podcast. slightly more specific for the purposes of <laughs> keeping podcasting the podcast depressing. I should? Yeah. Oh, now I gotta actually look up what happened. I just remember he was uh, uh I think he was maybe his own sister's father. Oh. Ooh. Uh, 
Uh, yeah. That got that got weirder than I expected it to. <laughs> I got I got to figure out that dude's name because I don't remember his name. Uh, oh, please do not take pictures of the Vigo. <laughs> Wilhelm von Homburg. Uh, let's see. Uh, Wikipedia. Yeah, that's Wilhelm. That's a good ass fucking name. <laughs> The fuck is all this? Oh, really? There's nothing. Oh, he was a boxer too. I was not aware of that. Looks like a good boxer. Hey, you promised uh, us fucked up. You better... all right? All right, here it is. I found the article. It's I was going to say, being a boxer is not that fucked up. It's it's called the hateful different. life and spiteful death of the man who was Vigo the Carpathian. <laughs> um, da, da, da. let's see. He was known. Uh, um, he was a Nazi soldier's son, boxer, professional wrestler, failed actor, criminal, and miserable human being who was never so happy as when he can make someone hate him. And was once a man so beautiful that other men, other men wanted to paint him. Uh, uh, Did you say he was a professional wrestler? Uh, I guess so. Okay. I need some of that in my life. I need to see the Vigo dropping the, the fucking DDT on somebody. <laughs> um, yeah, here we go. Um, so, uh, he went to Rona Grupe's office in Santa Monica, California, sat outside on a concrete flower bed. At 8 in the morning, Rona looked out the window and saw her much older half-brother sitting there and this wasn't the first time he had done this rona wondered what the hell was going on i was afraid to go downstairs because i was afraid he was going to follow me up uh she never wanted to introduce snowbird to her co-workers because he might say something too embarrassing to embarrass her he was the kind of guy who would say or do what he wanted to whomever he wanted blah 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 years earlier uh rona said she had been told she might not just be Northbert's half-sister but his daughter as well uh, Norbert had raped his father's young wife. Uh, her father told her, and she could have been the result. Uh, that's really upsetting. Yeah. Um, message, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I don't know. This is like a super long article, but I mean, that's like a just a small piece of, of, uh, part of it. No, don't fuck at me. <laughs> uh, looks like he was in a tag team in wrestling called the Vikings. That makes sense. He looks like he'd be in a tag team called the Vikings. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, here, I'll link uh, the article to it, and you can peruse at your own. Uh, I don't want to anymore. I regret <laughs> insisting that you... <laughs> uh, Yep, you brought this on yourself, Doug. Yeah. He was his own half-sister's possible father. Good times. As a result of rape, nonetheless. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So I've mentioned before that I don't really like it when they use rape as a plot point in movies. I dislike <laughs> it even more in real life when people yeah. use it as a plot point in making their lives terrible. Yeah. Understandable. So, uh, 
Yeah, no bueno. I just remember reading this article years ago and being like, what the fuck? Like, this dude is messed up. Uh, Did you watch anything else, Noah? No, that's something pretty much it. Uh, something I, happy, perhaps? I, I, I watched some children's movies. Yeah? Uh, her her daughter really likes uh, the movie Sing, so I've seen that. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. A, a few a dozen times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, I'm sure, Doug, I'm sure Doug doesn't know what it's like to have to rewatch stuff over and over again. I basically, it's the show American Idol, only with uh, CGI and voice actors and animals. Okay. Oh. Well, what did you watch, Doug? Uh, well, I had mentioned last week last time I guess that uh, I was watching the TV show Fargo yeah so that's that's eating up all my time um, finished off season one mm-hmm. thought it was pretty much perfect television like right up there yeah. with in quality with Breaking Bad and things like that um, they did a, just an amazing job of recapturing that Coen Brothers atmosphere that the original movie has and, mm-hmm. um the acting is so fucking good in the show. Um, I can't get my head around it. There's a, you, I know you've seen it, Brian, but there's yeah. that time shift that occurs with like a few episodes left in the season where we get kind of a, a finish to our storyline and then we jump ahead mm. two years or whatever it is. Um, and we see like every character has moved on and some of them are physically look different. Some of them don't, but they're all acting differently based on what's happened to them in that time frame that we don't see. We don't know exactly what's happened. We just get, you know, kind of the updates. And it's amazing how everyone is able to pull it off. Like, <laughs> cause that's the kind of thing where a show would usually have problems, right? You hired an actor to play, a, you know, a 25 year old who just got out of college and then you jump forward and he's 27 and supposed to have been in the job park for two years. And the actor can't do that the next day. Right. And that's not, a, usually that's a perfectly an acceptable thing. You just accept the fact that they're off on those days. But in this show, it was like without exception, everybody was great at it. Yeah. And they like, and there, it wasn't just the acting. It was also the writing because every character was in a new spot, but it was a spot that made complete sense for that character. And was a logical progression of what had happened to them in the previous storyline. So, uh, yeah, I was blown away by how good it is. I, you know, I love the way it, ties back into the original movie but doesn't necessarily it's not a remake of it it's just I mean essentially the season one is a sequel and it's you know loosely tied but I I liked that I liked the idea that it's the same universe and therefore all the same kind of rules apply and the same types of people are all there but we never get you're not caught up in trying to retell a story yeah so that's what I liked. It's it's like the whole tie to the movie, the series is not contingent on it, but no. it's just enough to let you know, like, oh, okay, well, this, the movie happened and this happened, but you know, you don't have to know one from the other to enjoy either one of them, right? And so, yeah, hugely impressed. I've already started season two. I think I'm like four episodes in. Yeah, it's, it's still early. I don't have much to say, but I I really enjoy it. Set in the 70s and I really enjoy the aesthetic they've set up they're doing a really good job of kind of recreating that 
they've assembled another amazing cast. Um, yeah. They do, do a really good job of finding people to play kind of against type and getting them to do it well. Mm-hmm. The only one I think uh, Ted Danson is in, is in season two. He seems to be a little outmatched when it comes to the acting. He's <laughs> not quite able to keep up with everybody else. He's not bad. He's yeah. still you know good for TV acting, but he's not as good as everybody else. Yeah, he gets a couple of good moments throughout the season, but yeah. I mean, he's up against like Patrick Wilson and yeah. Yeah. So, and Patrick Wilson is really good so far and mm-hmm. Jesse Plemons is really excellent in his role, but I've just come to expect that from that guy now. Um, I know, isn't that weird? Yeah, like, yeah. To me, to me he was like, "Oh, he's that asshole guy from Breaking Bad that kind of fucked everything up." Yeah. And then you keep seeing him and shit, and I'm like, "Holy shit, I really like him." Like every time I see him, I'm just blown. I'm caught off guard because he plays a different character every time you see him. Mm-hmm. Like he's not playing uh, like the same type of character he did in Breaking Bad in this show at all. This character yeah. is like the Breaking Bad guy was kind of like he was he was a bit of a dumbass, but he was very self confident and yeah. uh, almost arrogant. And this guy is more of like you know, set back, and he's he plays like a works in a butcher shop and his whole goal in life is to save up money to buy the butcher shop when the head butcher retires like really you know small town kind of guy and it's it's a very different character and he kind of you know early on he gets caught up they obviously the the formula for the show is something fucked up happens at the beginning and it sets off this series of events that we get to follow and most of the characters don't know what happened but the audience does um, so he's directly involved in that sort of first series of events through his wife. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, I'm kind of rambling, but I just love the show. Yeah. It also like, I like when shows take something that happened in the real world and then they kind of bring it in and make their own version of it. Mm. This grabbed one of my favorite news stories of all time, which is the one that hit a guy with her car and then just drove home with him sticking out the windshield. Yeah. <laughs> They use that that as a plot point in this movie, and I fucking love that. That's, my, that's maybe my favorite news story of all time. I mean, obviously, <laughs> it sucked if you're that one guy, but it is yeah. just the greatest thing ever to happen to you, because people, because uh, people are just so horrible. And it's just <laughs> so fucking weird. That's, yeah. So there's not enough of that happening in, t- in television and movies, in my opinion. The, uh, the guy gets struck by a car, gets dragged home and parked in a garage. Uh, yeah, I need to catch up on season three. I think that may be the next thing that we end up binge watching. Um, I might be talking about it by next week, the way things are going. So yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm flying through it. I'm scared. I'm like, there's only three seasons. I'm like, I don't want to be done, but I don't see how I can stop, so. Yeah, fair enough. Unfortunately, it has like completely cut off my movie watching. <laughs> watched anything? I watched like half an hour of Jurassic World over again that I already seen. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. Well, I watched a few things. Um, still trying to rewatch all the Marvel movies before. The Infinity War comes out, but I don't think I'm going to make it. We're we're like moving like super slow. Well, AMC has announced that they're going to do a, a marathon showing. Why don't you 30, just go to that? Thirty-one hours. <laughs> I've seen thirty-one and thirty-eight listed separately, oh, so I'm Lord. wondering if like thirty-one is the movie running times and thirty-eight is intermissions or something. 
Maybe. I don't know. Uh, so we watched The Incredible Hulk, which I haven't seen in forever. Um, and we watched Iron Man 2 first. Okay. Since Incredible Hulk does take place like during the end of Iron Man 2. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to find like a more chronological order, but the only ones I could find had all the TV shows included, and I really was like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Yeah, the ones that the TV shows will, uh, I've seen the listings where they'll break it out and actually have like, watch episodes one through four of this series, and then watch this movie, and then go back and watch these episodes yeah. from this other series, and it's like, yeah, that's a bit complicated for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was fine. It's a little ridiculous, but you know, it's the Incredible Hulk. I really like the Incredible that movie. I think it holds up better than people expect it to. Yeah, um, yeah. It, you're not wrong to say it's ridiculous, but yeah. it's a fun movie. And that fight at the end in Toronto that's supposed to be New York um, yeah. is is really fun to watch. Uh, I'm just disappointed we never got the leader out of anything. Uh. So. I mean, I guess technically there's still time, but Jesus Christ, they're really holding off. <laughs> that dude's been sitting with a giant head forever and not done anything with it. Well, you don't know. <laughs> the way they're going, I mean, the the Captain Marvel movie is going to be set in the 90s. Like, they could just do another Hulk movie, bring Ed Norton back, and have it set immediately following this one. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, sure, why not? Fights the leader on his way up to that cabin where we where the post credit <laughs> sequence takes place. <laughs> Uh, so I checked out the movie Veronica because I had been hearing everybody saying how good it was. Um, it's directed by uh, oh, what's that dude's name? Uh, it's one of the guys that directed uh, the first couple Wreck movies. Oh, okay, I think co-directed, and he's one of them. But his last name's like Plaza, but I don't remember his first name. Uh, so this is a, uh, Spanish language film, um, essentially about a girl who plays with a Ouija board during a solar eclipse and sort of becomes possessed or at the very least haunted by some demon spirit. Um, like it was okay, but I, I don't know. I, I didn't enjoy it as a lot of people seem to be saying they were loving it. So, I don't know. Uh, it's on Netflix. So, I mean, it's worth a watch if anybody really wants to check it out. Uh, I watched the Poughkeepsie tapes yeah. on uh, that sweet, sweet Scream Factory Blu-ray they put out. Yeah. I haven't mentioned them yet in the show, so it's about time. Um, has anybody else ever seen this movie? Oh yeah, I saw it a while back. Yeah. Um, probably, probably before I was supposed to, but it was one of those ones that was, <laughs> wasn't available properly for a long time. So yeah. Uh, so I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I don't think it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. For some reason, I thought this was going to be a lot more torture porny, even though it does have that aspect to it. But it just didn't, it wasn't as violent and gory as I thought it was going to be, I guess. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't yeah. know. I, I could have told you that. It's really relies heavily on atmosphere, which yeah. I, I remember being hugely effective. Yeah. Like the, 
Yeah, it was good. Like I thought it was good. I liked the sort of fake documentary aspect to it. Yeah, it was neat. Um, um, it was kind of a little more original, I think, at the time it was made too than it is yeah. now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but there is a lot of like what the fuckness in this movie. <laughs> like the scene where he has some girl tied up, and the camera's like super close up on his face. And he just comes walking into the room on all fours with a weird mask like on the back of his head. Yeah. Lots of just like, what the fuck is going on? What's weird about that? <laughs> That's what Doug calls Thursday night, apparently. Yeah. Right before we do the show. But um, it is, I think that movie nails like that thing where the filmmakers will do where they just throw weird shit at you and it mm. just, it puts you off base mentally and you're just like something's not right and so you're just kind of waiting for that next fucking shoe to drop the whole time yeah uh so yeah uh, i would say it's a recommend for me i did like uh the special features they got some interviews with the directors and the main actress lady in it and uh they're talking about um because apparently this got picked up by mgm and they were going to put it out like super wide, like release. Oh, really? Even the filmmakers were like, "That's a horrible idea." But uh, so, I mean, it got picked up and played like uh, a well-known festival. I don't remember which one. Got picked up by MGM, and then based off that, they got the filmmakers got agents like right away, and got hired on to do the quarantine, the rec remake quarantine. Right. And then Harry Knowles does this thing called the Buttonomathon, where he just has like 24 hours of movies, and he gets to kind of pick and choose from uh, lots of uh, like even movies that aren't released yet. Sometimes companies will do it there just as like a big surprise movie. And so it had a screening there, and the studio seemed to want them to play it off like like almost trying the Blair Witch thing where like we should act like this movie's like real and the filmmakers were like don't do that because that's horrible and so they did it at the screening and the crowd fucking revolted on it and thought it was horrible so then the release got pulled like immediately and then, then it just never never ever came out yeah, it's so weird how a movie that kind of had such a good reputation just sat for so long yeah. because apparently what you're telling me is one screening went bad so yep. it, I don't understand how the system works um, but then the filmmakers were talking how like well we were already hired on the quarantine so we were already moving off doing something else anyway so that was lucky for us because then the movie never really came out but they feel like it's it was actually good for the movie to have never come out because it came became one of those movies that everybody hears about but then like you, know, you can't really legally find it anywhere you have to bootleg it and like all this stuff which adds like this sort of like urban legend sort of stuff to it yeah so they're like everybody pretty much agreed like this was probably the best thing for the movie it was horrible for us as filmmakers because then it never came out but like sort of building that mysterious stuff around the movie probably added a lot more to it than because if it would have they say if it would have went in that wide release like people would have just been like this is stupid and like never never really talked about it again 
So that's, that's an interesting take on it because I wonder if this film really did benefit from from its reputation. Yeah. Yeah. I would say definitely. Certainly, I think it's a movie made for like pretty specific audiences, and I don't think yeah. a wide release would be a good idea. No. I, I mean, I'm in the audience of people it was made for, and it. Mm. I think it's. I remember really, really liking it. Mm. But uh, yeah, they said it, it's much better as like a, the you know the movie that your friend buys a bootleg of, and then tells like his friend like gives him the movie and is like, here, you need to watch this. Yeah. And then you know the you need to go home and like watch it in your house with all the lights off and stuff. They said that's the way to really experience this movie rather than buying a ticket for it at a movie theater and buying popcorn and you know all that stuff. So I remember when I watched it too, I was getting ready to uh, getting ready to move, and so I had like boxes packed up in the hallway. Yeah. And after everything that goes on in this movie in the dark, getting up and looking down the hallway, wanting to go to the washroom and not being able to see down the hallway because of all the boxes piled and there were so many places somebody could have been hiding. It's like one of the very few times in my life where I was like genuinely creeped out. I was genuinely like, I'm like scared to walk down the hallway in my own home to get to my own washroom right now. And yeah. that's such a rare feeling to have as a horror fan. So I think that goes to the fact that, yeah, you're not going to feel that in a movie theater right no yeah for sure it's oh yeah i admit it like after i got done watching the movie i had to go to the bathroom so i got up and walked down my hallway but i made sure to flip on every light i passed by as i did so we've Uh, uncovered we've uncovered two things one this movie creeps you out even if you're a seasoned horror fan and two it makes you have to go to the washroom for some reason (laughs) well the scene that did it for me when i first originally saw the trailer that made me really want to see it because i thought it'd be creepy as fuck is uh it's in the trailer and when it's when like he's in that couple's house and then uh the girl just sort of walks into the room and sees him standing there but you only see it from his point of view so you just see her look at you and then she's like wait what what and then she like freaks out and then you see the camera start running at her and then she takes off running like towards the front door i was like oh that looks fucking cool yeah so I gotta rewatch that movie. So good. Uh, then I watched uh, The Strangers: Pray at Night, um, which I would say I greatly enjoyed. Uh, the biggest thing that people need to know, which uh, the director did an interview on Shockwaves podcast, like the day it came out, and I'm glad I listened to the, to the interview. Because they explain in it that there is a giant tonal shift in this movie from the original movie. And uh, that it's less of a home invasion movie and more of a slasher movie. And so the tone ends up being a little bit lighter. It's not just that constant like feeling of dread like the first movie. Okay. Uh, which is fine. Because it, it becomes just a fun slasher movie that's still got some creepy parts. And he likened it to the, like the first movie. He he likened it that, okay, that was like the first time that they had done that, and so they were all super serious about it, and you know, everything. He's like, but now they've done it a couple times, and so now they're just having fun, which is where sort of the slashery part comes into it. Um, 
and then during the interview, he said two of his favorite things growing up was John Carpenter and Stephen King. So when okay. you watch this movie, you're just you're just like, yeah, that's it's like all over the screen, like those two influences. Uh, it's got a pretty good score to it. Of course, it's got tons of like eighties esque music. Uh, weird, weirdly enough, the truck sort of becomes almost like a character move in, in the movie which is sort of like the Christine uh, sort of homage. Because this one takes place in like this spread out like trailer park. But it's more like a summer, like, you know, on a lake or whatever. And there's all these trailers. It's yeah. almost like a camp, spread out like campground, essentially. And so like the killers are like all over this trailer park. And so like our people, the victims are like running around. And so they'll be like trying to hide and then in the background you'll just see the lights of like the truck and then they start freaking out you know running away but then you know the dude will jump out of the truck and chase him down with an axe but you know I don't know it's it was just a lot of fun I greatly enjoyed it completely different type of movie than the first one so just be okay with that going in and I think you'll have a good time watching it I think think it's good to know going in too because it's just yeah if you're expecting the exact same thing, which to be honest, I kind of was, I haven't seen it yet. So mm-hmm. I, it's good to know that they're good to have, good to have that information going in. I think. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Which I'm, I'm glad I listened to that interview because he like laid it all out that, you know, he's like, we could have just done the same thing, but I just, he just felt like that would be boring. And he's like, let's just go crazy. Like fun slasher movie with this. And, you know, the home invasion thing wouldn't make much sense since it's set in a trailer park and stuff. So, I mean, they'd be hopping from trailer to trailer and stuff. So that just, that would take a lot of tension out of it. So, a lot harder to hide in a trailer, too. You're just like you're, yeah. hiding in, you're hiding in the bedroom, but it's really just the living room with that curtain pulled across it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So they just had a lot more fun with it, which I was perfectly fine with and had a really good time. So. Uh, it's a definite recommend for me. I've seen people not enjoying it online, but again, I think if you know what you're getting into, it probably makes it a lot better. Going in. Damn it! Now I got to got to find a way to see that. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, so Noah, we let you pick the movies next week. So uh, what are we going to be watching? Uh, it was a long road to get to where I was going. So I wanted to do something different. So I was thinking about Event Horizon. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, but what would I pair with Event Horizon? So I was thinking about Jason X. And for some reason, Jason X got me thinking about Hellraiser Bloodlines. Because I was like, you know what? There's There's been a lot of like horror sequels set in space. And that's a pretty cool thing. <laughs> and so I decided to go on a trip and find all the ones I could find and uh, find the two most similar ones I could. And so I think what we're going to do uh, next week is uh, Leprechaun in Space and Critters 4. Nice. Yeah, I'm definitely down for some in space movies. Yeah, get we a, haven't get we have away done sci fi in a while. So. Wow. Yeah. Something different. That's a good idea. Mix it up a little bit. 
Exactly. Um, uh, I feel like I should have some clever uh, question right now. Yeah, this is like the ideal time for one of us to say something really awesome, and then you just cut off the podcast. But none of us. May the Schwartz be with you. <laughs> no, that's not it. That's <laughs> <good at> <laughs> so that definitely is not it. <laughs> Which now, funnily, funnily enough, makes that it. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.